Sorry. Hi, everyone. Uh, uh, welcome to season four of Ruin Hammer. Uh, thanks for joining us. Before we get started, a shout out as always to our Patreon supporters. It's your wonderful support enables us to upgrade our visual presentation um, and uh, through StreamYard to bring you the content that you guys enjoy so much. Um, I also invite you guys to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel um, so that you don't miss any of our exclusive streaming content. Um, subscribing to the channel also puts you in the draw to win some exclusive Ruin Hammer merchandise. Um, so click that subscribe button now. And Hammer, how's things, mate? All good? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the comments coming through. People say I was giving you the gobby signals. Um, really enjoyed the, <laughs> the Warriors. <laughs> really enjoyed the Warriors hit out last Thursday against the Tigers. Uh, a lot of promising things from that performance. We're going to actually chat to uh, Andrew Webster about that a bit later on. Um, if you haven't already done so, though, you can take a look at our review of that game here on our channel. Uh, but as I said, mate, I'm excited about tonight uh, kicking off our head-to-head -head series for 2023 with a, a very special guest. Uh, why don't you add him to the chat, mate, and I'll, I'll introduce him to our viewers. Yeah, absolutely. Before I do, um, I'll just remind everyone that is tuned in tonight that um, we do have a, this is a live show to get the involvement of all those watching. So please, as we move through discussion points tonight, join the conversation and leave your comments. Please be aware that we do have current and ex-players and their families to watch this webcast. So please um, keep your comments respectful and refrain from making them personal. And mate, why don't you introduce our very special guest tonight? I'd love to, mate. Uh, tonight's guest is a former assistant coach at the Warriors, the Tigers, and more recently the Panthers, uh, where he has helped guide them to back-to-back -back premierships in 2021 and 2022, uh, hopefully coming here to guide us to a premiership in 2023. Uh, he's the current coach of our beloved One New Zealand Warriors. Uh, thank you for joining us, Andrew Webster. Pleasure. Thanks for having us, guys. Webby, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we acknowledge that you are a uh, very busy individual and we really appreciate your time. Um, firstly, congratulations on the head coaching appointment and uh, welcome back to the club. You were last at the club yeah. in 2015. Um, how much has changed since you were last there? Uh, lot, lots have changed and lots haven't. There's a lot of familiar faces in the office. Um, some staff I've worked with, some staff I haven't. Um, there's only, I think the biggest change for me is the players, as in yeah. how many I've coached before. So Jazz Tavanga, um, Bunty Afoa and Sean Johnson, they were the last ones that were here. They were the only yeah. ones that were here last time I was here. So um, that's probably been the biggest change. Facilities are very similar. Um, knowing my way around Auckland's, you know, not doesn't look like much of a change to me. So um, yeah, really enjoying the start of it. And I got that, I got that feel of something fresh and exciting coming back like a lot of things are new but a lot the same which is really familiar which i'm enjoying mate uh without going into too many specifics how did the appointment come about was it did you seek the club out once the, the position became available when brownie announced he wasn't going to be there or did they approach you no so i i i didn't approach the club at all they gave me a call and just asked if i was interested um and i said yeah definitely um i'm interested Obviously, I was in a really good place where I was at at the Panthers. Um, we're having success. I was enjoying my job. Um, life outside football was going great. Yep. Um, and then when I just got asked, they went away. And this is obviously after Brownie's announcement. And then they went away and put some ducks in a row and had, had a conversation with each other. Um, and then whilst that was going, I was, I was playing out all the scenarios in my head, talking to my wife, making if, if it did come about, you know what what the decision would be um because yeah there's two ways you look at it you've always got to 
check things with your head, um, go through the checklist. And then, but my heart was always telling me, telling me yes. And then uh, this is an opportunity I'd love. And then it was great that my, uh, I broke that up as well. What, what was it about the Warriors that excited you to take this on as your first uh, head coaching role in the NRL? Yeah, I said it a couple of times. I think being a, an assistant coach for a long period of time and then getting your first crack as a head coach, um, it helps to have a bit of film, like something familiar, something that you've done and you think, right, if I was in that place, this is what I would change. Um, this is what I like about it. Um, there's lots of things. I think the, the roster... Um, I liked the, the recruits that the club had made. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought the people who were staying were, were had potential to make us a better football club. Um, and I, I just felt like being here at the place, I could have a real impact because I knew the DNA of the club. I knew, I knew what the fans love. I knew what New Zealand was about. And as a rookie coach, if you think about it, a lot of rookie NRL coaches would be pretty nervous about moving to a, a country they've never been to. As yep. I love my time in New Zealand and really enjoyed it. Um, so it just, there was a lot of upsides for me. Yeah, awesome. Well, mate, we'll take you back to where it all began for you. Um, you grew up a Tigers junior uh, for local clubs, um, Carlingford Cougars, Dundas Correct. Shamrocks and Five Dock RSL. And you play junior reps in the Tigers, um, SG ball and Jersey flag. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit about your rugby league background and how you ended up playing for the Connecticut Wildcats in the yeah. American National League in 2005. Unbelievable. Yes, I can't believe you know my junior clubs. Um, so, yeah, Balmain Junior, love the area. Uh, if anyone knows Sydney, well, probably more the history of our junior clubs where they're probably close to the Parramatta District, but... Back in the day when those clubs were formed, there was no no opportunity for the Parramatta Junior Rugby League to accept them. They were full, basically. So the closest one was Balmain, which is um, actually a 45-minute drive to Leichhardt Oval back in those days. A little yeah. bit quicker now, I'm sure. Um, and I was actually a Balmain fan. So to get the opportunity to play in this district and then eventually play all my junior rep football with the Tigers was pretty exciting. Uh, come from a football family. My dad played. Um, my mum's family, her brothers and her, her father played football. So footy's always been in our blood. And obviously I had an older brother who was mad for it, um, who's lucky enough to go and play in our role at, at Balmain and Parramatta. And James. Super yeah, James. Yeah, James. Um, the older but less attractive brother. I like to yes. um, <laughs> Uh, not, not, not that we're not that either of us are shooting a high standard in that regard. For just for the record, and then um, can't forget my sister who was just like mad football, mad Tigers. Like some embarrassing moments that she'd not like me to remember. But I remember um, Friday night footy. She'd get like this old telephone, and she she'd start making calls like she was ringing the coach's box or ringing the players to take the game. <laughs> <out. Yeah. laughs> saying some pretty embarrassing things. So. Yeah, from footy mad background, enjoyed it. I think the question you're now asking, or you did ask, is how did I end up at Connecticut Wildcats? So yeah, I was 23, and uh, as every young footballer knows, when you're trying to make that that commitment to try and make it as a player, uh, you make plenty of sacrifices. And I realised when I was 23 that um, 
you know, it wasn't going to be for me. I wasn't very athletic or anything like that. I feel like I knew the game and understood it really well. And then an opportunity, I thought, I want to travel the world whilst doing football. So I looked at the England route, thought about that, looked at France. That sounded exciting. And then I got asked. I actually played in the Russell Crowe Sevens. I don't know if anyone can remember that tournament. <laughs> played in the Russell Crowe Sevens. <laughs> and, <laughs> nah, nah, no, no. No, I a tournament up at Coss Harbour and was, yeah, it was on. Yeah, so oh, okay. played in that and the American team was travelling at the time and, yeah, I got recruited and, had to be that night in the pub with the CEO of the Connecticut Wildcats. And I went from playing in the team to after that trip to being captain coach. So uh, I must have I must have done all right in the pub that night because I, I got an even better job. So, no, yeah, it was good. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say you got your first taste of coaching there. It, um, throughout your, your playing days, was coaching something that you always wanted to gravitate towards or was it just something mm. that happened there and then and you kind of took it, ran with it and the rest is history? No, it was something I always wanted to do. I don't know what it was. I think um, I, I was I was captain a lot of my junior rep clubs and stuff like that and always had a good affiliation with the coaches and, and, was, and loved learning about the game. Also, at home, James and I, we, we used to talk rugby league a lot, detail and just what we saw and how we do it, probably like all brothers do and yeah. Um, there's always this real hunger. Uh, as a captain, you always got to get your message across so everyone understands it. Um, and I felt like that was something I was good at. And I thought, oh, yeah, I definitely want to get involved in coaching. So when I made that decision at 23, one, to go and have fun whilst doing football, it was something I was like, I reckon I could have a crack at this and, and actually transition out of playing at a young age straight into coaching, which um, I think we'd all love the dream of playing 200 first grade games or whatever it is. But I got the opportunity to dive into it younger and learn my trade quicker. So um, it was a bit of a silver lining for me, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice one, yeah. Um, between 2006 and 2011, you spent time at Hull KR as assistant coach. Um, how did you enjoy your time in England? And what were the key things that you learned during that time that I guess are still part of your coaching mantra today? Yeah, so I was... 23, 24 years old when I got that job. I was actually went to visit my brother who was playing at Hulkay at the time. And Justin Morgan, who's now um, assistant coach here, he was actually the head coach of Hulkay. And um, I basically just volunteered my time whilst visiting my brother. Did they want any help, run the water? Um, and I'd already just started coaching and uh, I did that. And then Morgs gave me a call heading back to the airport and said, mate, we want you back here to be our under-21s coach and our assistant coach at first grade. And I think the biggest thing was we we were a, a club that was on the way up. We were trying to get into Super League. So I think everyone understands that England and in, 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 in soccer and in rugby league, they had promotion and relegation. Yep. So it's really, really stressful process. Holkow were really ambitious. We were in the division below. We wanted to get into Super League. Um, I think the biggest thing is I had to learn is how to put a whole program together myself. The facilities for the 21s, we didn't have any really um, because the, the club didn't have that pathway system. So I had to set all that up. Um, so I think I've learned how to make the most of what you actually get given. Um, um, learn how to create a pathway system. So I know how to support one here as a head coach. So we've got obviously Andrew McFadden and a real strong team under, of local coaches underneath him. So. I think I've learned that. And the biggest thing I learned is about play, working with the players. Um, so my second and third year, I was coaching guys like Clint Newton, Ben Galeer, Mick Bella, um, 
Willie Mason even came for a period. So I was dealing with um, really, really experienced Australians who were coming, coming over there to play rugby league. And um, I, I learned that I can learn just as much off of them as much as I can teach them. So um, I still use all those things today. And uh, it, I, the six years I had OK was massive for my career, huge. Mm. Absolutely, it would have been. In 2012, you returned to Australia. You took on the coaching role of the Tigers SG Ball Cup side. Yeah. Um, basically, a return to home, effectively. Um, mm. And you guided the Tigers to their first SG Ball title in 30 years. Mm. Must have been a huge thrill. Yeah, mate, it's crazy because uh, I wasn't going to come home. I was I was pretty happy in England. And um, but I just thought I want to have a crack. And I think my ego was a little bit high. I was doing well and over there as a coach and I thought I was whilst back into assistant coach general job and they weren't coming so I learned learned fast that you you never you, you don't think you're going as good as you you probably are yeah um and got grounded really quickly and I got off of the estuary board job and um a whopping three thousand dollars was my contract and I was like am I willing to start at the bottom you know and work my way up and yeah I was and being a Balmain boy and going home and and, and working in that environment where it all started for me, I, once again, I had that experience where everything was familiar, that um, even the strapper, the strapper who strapped the players in the estuary ball when I coached was my strapper when I played. So oh, wow. cool, cool things like that. And I was lucky that I landed a really good team. So like guys like Luke Brooks, Mitchell Moses, yeah, um, those type of guys in the team. And, and you're only as good as your players. And I'm pretty grateful for that. But that, that kind of we went undefeated throughout the most of the year, and um, to go on and beat a star started Raiders. Believe it or not, actually kicked my journey off back in Australia. Started people started liking the way we played, and yep. started getting job job opportunities from there more on a full time basis. So, always grateful for that start. You won the national title that year too, didn't you? you played uh, was it the Capras? Yeah, yeah, we played up yeah. there in Queensland. We. Um, we took a team up there because what, what happened was we won the grand final. I said, right, we're resting everyone. Um, it's fantastic we've done it. And then what we did was anyone who didn't play in the in the New South Wales grand final, um, we gave them an opportunity to play in the national one. Yep. And then, um, yeah, we rested about six or seven blokes and had the depth in our squad to, to win the national championship as well, which is, which is cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah, very awesome. In 2013, <laughs> um, you... Yeah. So you go, mate. You go. Mate. Oh, no, no, sorry. You, you go on. I was just saying it's funny. Like, SG Ball, it's under-19s at the time. It was like it was NRL. It was like, for me, it was like huge, mm. huge opportunity and it meant a lot and uh, for my junior club. And it's funny when you put so much time and energy in something, you win it. Just yeah. the feeling you get out. And now I look back and think it was just under-19s, but no, it's still, still, still a really great moment. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, more opportunities would have come. In 2013, you took over as head coach of the Eels NYC team. In 2014, mm -hmm. um, you returned to the Tigers to coach their NYC team. Uh, no doubt a great experience at both clubs, um, coaching, as you've already touched on it, but coaching future first-grade stars there. Yep. Yeah, I, I, the progression for me at the Tigers was funny. I was assistant coach that year to Toddy Payton, uh, who was the, my, when the first year I was at Balmain. My job was also to be his assistant coach at Tigers 20, and we were fortunate that we won the competition, or Toddy did as the head coach. Yeah. Um, and there was no real pathway for me to progress and climb the ladder because I probably never would have left the Tigers at the time. 
because uh, Toddy was doing such a good job and he was hanging around for another year in that 20s role. Uh, and that was a full-time position at the time. And then Parra offered me a full-time crack. So I was uh, pretty excited about that opportunity. Um, that was that was really fun, but also hard yards. because that And that's something I learned that you just can't copy and paste what you take from one successful place and take it to another. You've got to adjust to the group that you've got. So yep. it's crazy. Everyone thinks you learn all your lessons at NRO level. I was learning that at an under-20s one, um, that you got to – what players do I have? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Instead of worrying about what I was good at, I needed more focus on what they were. And I made a big mistake there as a 20s coach. And then, um, yeah, I got the opportunity to come back to the Tigers and, and start my career back or start my full-time capacity back at the Tigers where I coached the 20s and was also an assistant to first grade. Which... Yeah. You, um, you were at the Warriors in the assistant role in 2015, 2016 under then coach Andrew Cappy McFadden. Um, what attracted you to the club back then and what did you take away from that experience uh, coaching our uh, first graders assistant coach? Uh, Cappy sold it to me, to be fair. Um, I flew over mid-year. Dean Bell and Cappy gave me a tour of New Zealand and I, I was just, a, like I said, a young guy looking for opportunities. I wanted to climb the ladder. I'd been a full-time coach for six years in England, and I wanted that that to happen in the NRL. Um, I thought the roster, pretty similar to now at the time, had exciting. Cappy wanted me to be the attack coach at the time. We had Sam Tompkins, um, Tommy Lulai, Sean Johnson, Ben Madalino. Um, you know, we that's up uh, Chad Townsend. So we had a roster that you know, could attack. So I was pretty excited about that, and this was going to be my first crack of being an assistant coach in NRL. So, um, but I actually initially said no, because I couldn't actually get out of my contract and leave the Tigers straight away. Um, they didn't want to let me go. And then right at the end of the year, Cappy emailed me uh, an offer and, and said, I think you should take this to the Tigers. And it, it, it was an opportunity that the Tigers said, look, we can't stand in your way. That's too good. Um, hopefully we get you back one day, but you go with our blessing and, um, it was just so many. I could never. I remember arriving in Auckland, got picked up, had a look around the place, and I was like, "It's such a different perspective when you come here, and you know you're going to work there, as opposed to coming there as the away team. It's such a better perspective. You get to actually see what the city's got to offer. You can place yourself. You know where your office is. You know yeah. where you go and live here. This is a good spot. So the sale was really good, and um, that's the thing you got to convince everyone in Australia if you do want to sign them that Auckland's a great place. So. I had that exact same conversation with uh, Cam George uh, round one 2020 when we we're playing Newcastle up at Newcastle and he was saying the same thing that you get these guys that come over there for an away game and it's pissing down yep. rain and it's at its one degree and the you next thing you're talking to them about coming there for a contract and they're like I don't want to go and live there but um, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, too, they stay in a hotel, they get on a bus and they drive to Mount Smart Stadium. Mount, Mount Smart is a great stadium. Like, like, love it to watch a game footy. But you're actually driving into an industrial area. Every city's yep. got an industrial area. Like, every yep. single city's yeah. got an industrial area. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, they're thinking, they don't actually get to see what just how beautiful this place and what it's got to offer. So, yeah, um, yeah that, it's a big draw card once you know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, after your stint at the Warriors, you're back at the West Tigers again um, in 2017, and you find yourself 
thrust into the caretaker head coach role after Jason Taylor is sacked earlier in the season. Um, how did you find this experience and what did you take away from it uh, that would potentially set you up for your current role today? Well, I needed to learn how to swim pretty quick because um, <laughs> Jason, Jason lost the job. I went to training the next day and now I think there was literally 20 cameras and 20 microphones put in my face and um, asked all the tough questions about the whys and what's next and what's the future and um, basically bagging the whole place. Um, so that was a different, like that was a, that was a huge shock. I'd never had that even in England. I never had that experience. So um, it was a shock and I learned, I learned that I, I couldn't change much in that week. Um, so I really had three days or two training sessions to get them ready to play against the Melbourne Storm, which was Slater, Cronk, Cooper, oh, sorry, Slater, Cronk, the big four. Let's just go there. So I don't yeah, Inglis, Inglis Smith. Yeah. Yeah, no, he wasn't there then. That was he wasn't oh, there. That's right. but, but we had them. They were they were they were flying at the time. So um, didn't know. Like I realised that I just had to get as much confidence in the players as I could as quick as I can. We had to sort of man up and get over it and take a little bit of responsibility too. Because I think uh, when uh, a coach loses their job, everything's pointed at the coach. But um, us as a staff and us as players or that the players. Need to take a little bit of responsibility and a learning in four sessions or sorry two sessions that i couldn't really change the world and i just had to build their confidence but I, how did it how did it get me ready for now it felt like it taught me that i could handle pressure i could handle that when life wasn't easy and, and rugby league wasn't going great and you're thrown into a tough situation that that i actually yeah i i could handle this and i actually felt like i handled that pretty well so I thought whilst didn't get the chocolates against the big four in the Melbourne, um, I learned I learned a hell of a lot during that real short period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to quickly, uh, those that are watching on the YouTube channel, if you have any questions that you want us to ask Webby at the end of this chat, uh, just put them into the comments there, and we'll try and get to as as many as possible, um, time permitting. Um, ironically, Webby, the man who ultimately took on the head coaching role at the Tigers was one Ivan Cleary. Um, mm -hmm. As an ex-player and coach of this of the Warriors, we were fortunate to ha have Ivan on for a chat. We actually had him on twice because the first one cut out and he came back and did another hour session with us. Um, yeah. He doesn't seem it when he's portrayed in the media, but we found him to be one of the most relaxed and funniest guys we've ever had the pleasure of interviewing. Was it your relationship with him at the Tigers that eventually got you over to the Panthers? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it did. So I didn't know Ivan before he came to the Tigers. Um, so the biggest thing I was really, really, we, he was obviously living in Penrith still. I was living yep. in Penrith and for those who know Sydney, I was traveling to Concord Oval at Tigers and I didn't know him and I got the job and we carpooled together a lot. Oh, sorry. He got the job and we carpooled together a lot. Spoke about rugby league, family, life, uh, had a lot of things, uh, off the field in common. Um, yeah. And for those who don't know Ivan, he's, um, He's actually extremely, he's a little bit introverted, but he's extremely social guy. He likes having people around. He likes to, he likes to get the staff and the players together. Um, that's definitely his strength. Um, yeah, and I got to do 18 months with him before he went to went to Penrith and he got the opportunity to go back and coach there. And um, I think it was about another 18 months later, Trent Barrett was going to the Dogs as the head coach. Yep. And uh, 
he gave me a call and said, was I interested? And we went and had a chat and I was definitely interested. Um, obviously, they just got beaten in the grand final. Well, they I think they won something like 17 in a row. Yep. And I, the opportunity, I was really living in Penrith. Um, opportunity to work with Ivan again, um, who's, who's, as we know, a fantastic coach. And I was I was going to coach a team that was, was already on, on top of the table. So yeah, it was a great, it was very exciting, yeah. Yeah, as, but as Hammer said, Ivan is obviously a club legend at the Warriors, both um, coach and player, yeah. and still considered by many to be the club's greatest ever loss when he left at the end of 2011. Um, yeah. how, how heavy, how heavily did you lean on him for guidance and advice when you were considering taking on the Warriors uh, coaching role, considering he's done it pretty much everything here as a coach as well? Yeah, I think Ivan gave me... Um, two perspectives you gave me the one from uh oh let's sit down and talk rugby league you know let's let's say is this the right job for you at the right time um it was really clear that he didn't want to didn't want to lose lose me obviously but it was like okay is this the right thing for you football wise and then as a friend uh he he put he put his own sort of um what would you say commitments aside at penrith and said you know, Webby, as as a friend, I think this is a great opportunity. I think you should take it. I think you're ready for it. Um, you know the place. You've been there. Um, Ivan and I, over the 18 months we worked together, or actually including the Tigers, probably three and a half years, constantly referenced the Warriors, our time here, even though we weren't here at the same time, how much we love the place. And we actually always watch the Warriors from afar. So um, it's a bit of irony that it happened because um, I couldn't have got better advice on, on on my first opportunity as a head coach, and I was lucky to have him as a friend and as as a as a mentor. So, mate, you had great success at Penrith as their attack coach. Um, mm -hmm. Scoring points has always been a big issue for us in recent years, as well as stopping them. Um, the Warriors have traditionally, and especially most recently, been mistakenly labelled as a team that likes to throw the ball around uh, mm -hmm. and can score points quickly. Um, what style of play are you looking for the team to play this season under your guidance? Yeah, I think there's, like in summary, I'll go summary straight away and then I'll, yeah. I'll go a little bit quicker. I think, we've got to, I think we've got to play a skillful brand of rugby league, okay, but it's got to be reliable. So I think this whole concept of like you say that this this perception that the Warriors fling the ball out their backsides and they they up me around me through me plays I just yeah I'm with you I don't see that I haven't seen that for a long time um but the biggest thing for me is I, I've got to work out what works like I said before the biggest lesson I learned at Parramatta was what's going to work for this current group like what what are their strengths and weaknesses and then also what actually wins in the NRL so yep got to be able to be skillful you got to be able to see opportunity and take it um and if that means moving the ball if they start spreading the field and the spaces around the ruck then we've got to be able to attack that so you know you've got to see a skillful brand of football i thought thought that's one thing we bought it the other night in the trial i thought our execution was quite good um yeah but it's also got to be reliable you can't be having errors you can't be you can't be coming up in key moments under pressure on the big stage is these plays and is his skill going to hold up under pressure? So I think that's the other thing. I, I think our other style is we've got to, you spoke about stopping points. We've got to be able to apply pressure with our defence and we've got to be able to absorb it. And yep. that's the thing we're going to have to keep. And once again, that comes back to re reliability, doesn't it? You've got to be reliable. Yeah. 
when when things aren't really going smoothly. Um, so I think there's two sides to our defence. I think everyone thinks about just stopping tries. Well, I think we can actually apply a bit of pressure and a bit of sting in it. And then mm. um, if things don't go right, can we absorb it and, and do that? So, yeah, that's the style for me. Awesome. Um, People will love that. Yes, very encouraging to hear that. It's all good in theory. It's all good in theory. Indeed. Um, Another area that's been a huge issue for the Warriors basically since day dot um, is the lack of mental toughness and resilience. So no matter who's playing for us or who the coach is, uh, the, the same problems seem to have remained for most of our existence. So when the momentum swings in a game, we seem to struggle. Um, how much have you spent on the mental side of the game? Yeah, plenty. Um, we're about to actually finish some stuff off before the season, just on around that and some, some of the – I'm not going to say it's the finishing touches because I think the, the mental side of the game is going to be an ongoing thing for us and I think for every team. I think you, the mental side of a season is going to be roller coaster. Um, so – you know, like you said, how are we going to be if we lose one or two games? Um, but if we talk about the mental side of 80 minutes and building resilience, I, I think every club's searching for that. I think even the, the, the best clubs at the top, they're going to revisit, revisit resilience and mental toughness every year. And what scenarios of training um, put you into that? And also, do you have the, the calibre of player who can withstand that? Um, mm. What I mean by that is, we have Mitch Barnett from the Newcastle Knights. If anyone knows him, he's a mentally tough man. He's yep. He works extremely hard. He's resilient. So, so one where I think we've gone that way that we want tough people at this club who compete for long periods of time. So um, that's one thing around the recruitment. But we're just trying to put them in rugby league scenarios as often as possible. So if you think about trying to get fit, we need to be right. Trainer grabs a stopwatch, says you've got to get from A to B in 10 seconds, and then you've got to return and get back here in, in another 10 seconds. And that is what we call traditional conditioning. So we've done plenty of that, and every club has. But we also try to do game-related fit fitness so that we put them in really high-stressful situations that's more related football to the game instead of just switching off and just getting your own zone and running. We're actually trying to build that resilience as a team together in, in scenarios. So put a lot of time into it but i think it's going to be a moving part that we need to keep working on constantly throughout the year and probably it'll probably never stop to be fair mate the more you talk the more i love it um <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the club recruited some quality players in the off season chance as you said mitch barnett um marada neokore d walks to name a few mixed in with the squad that we had from last season what do you see as the real strengths of this current group of players that you've got um, I think our forward pack, um, it's just, just, there's a lot of games in there. There's a lot of experience in there. Um, so I also think if you look at our spine, you got a chance. I mean, we've got, boys. Well, I, I could name any of the halves, but you got, you've got Tomati, Tomati Martin, Luke Metcalf, Sean Johnson, Ron Volkman's uh, like a player of the future. He debuted last year. Wade yep. Egan, I think a, a, a top, top four NRL hooker. Um, so you look at our spine, and I think I think the lock forwards become a huge a huge part of um, the spine. I think um, 
if you look at like say Penrith is like yo he's as much a part of the spine as anyone um, Victor Radley at the Roosters Victor Radley 100% Jake Trebojevic yep. at Manly so I think they've all got those those type of players that you can do that role so if you look at Tori Harris um, he's exceptional at that so I think our spine our forward pack and I'm pretty really excited about our outside backs just I think we've got a bit of youth and a bit of experience there. Um, and if you were a trainer, geez, they're putting some hard work around their own game and their own performance. Um, and they're actually taking some ownership on 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 what they want to improve on. So I know I've, I know I've basically ticked the whole squad. Um, but, <laughs> um, but well. yeah, I just I, well, I'm excited about that. But no, I, I I just think yeah, there's. I like I like it. We've got to have faith in ourselves, you know. Like we, we just can't say, nah, I'm, we're not good enough. We can't win games. I just don't believe that. Like, yeah, we're we've got to have faith in ourselves. We got we 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 should be happy with what we got. Let's yeah. have a red eye. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, love hearing that. Um, obviously, some of the new signings that were already signed before your involvement, or sort of came before your involvement in the club. Are you comfortable with the current squad um, or are there a few areas that you would like to strengthen? Um, I think recruitment's going to be ongoing and that's, yep. it just is like, we honestly, if you think that by this, we're happy with the recruitment and this is how it's going to be next year, then you're going to lose because you yep. got to always be moving because of the salary cap. And what, all I mean by that is the player plays really well with us this year. His value is going to go up. Clubs are going to offer him lots of money. Can we keep him in our salary cap? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. So that's why, am I happy with it? I, I'm Like I said before, I, I didn't come here, actually, I didn't come into the club and in the interview process say, this is a rip it apart, rebuild, start again. I said, listen, there's no excuses. We're here to we're here to perform from day one. So um, I'm... I'm the, certainly, if we're not successful, I won't be pointing the finger and making excuses that people before me uh, made mistakes. Uh, I just don't believe in that. I think we've got to, we've got to be positive right from where we go. And, and if we, we don't, if we're not successful, we've got to look in the mirror, why not? Uh, as opposed to saying, I inherited this squad, I need more time. And I reckon there'll be a few people out there scratching their head going, you're an idiot, you should be buying yourself time here, being a bit smarter, but still want to be like that mate we've read and listened to so many interviews you've done since taking on the role and it's amazing how much time you've given to so many different uh like webcasts and and uh, media people just to speak to them and people are commenting here in the in the live feed saying how much they love hearing you talk they could listen to you talk all day um one thing that seems to be paramount in your message to the players is extreme ownership uh, I read a, an interview you did a couple of weeks ago speaking about that. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that is for those that are watching? Well, the extreme ownership bit, I think, was an inside story done over here where journalists got to come to work. Spend a day. day. Yep. Spend a day. I mean, there was one piece that day on extreme ownership, um, which was basically done by the Navy SEALs. And it was just a YouTube video that was just trying to help deliver the message that we're trying to say. But if we just talk about ownership is... The fact is that they're professional athletes. Um, everything's handed to them on a platter. And what I mean by this, and this is not the players' fault, we do it as coaches, where we'll watch training, we'll cut every single clip of them, we'll call them into our office and we'll show them every clip. And the player goes, yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah, 
There's no the player going watching training, cutting his own clips, coming upstairs. The coaches still do the same process, if this makes sense. So the process, yep. the yep. players still do the same. Um, the coaches still do the process, and with both both parties, coaches and players, are responsible for their performance. Okay, so there's extreme ownership around. Oh, I want to get better. I'm actually going to be proactive with this. I'm actually going to look into it, and I'm going to go meet the coaches halfway. Um, so that's one thing about about extreme ownership. Um, the other thing is, can I take feedback? Am I willing to get better? Am I going to have my my guard up? Am I going to be really sensitive to feedback, or am I going to be willing to listen and learn? And just know that the feedback I'm getting, if it's not great, it's coming from a really good place because you just can't get beautiful, nice feedback every day. And, and no. you, you got <laughs> to get the real stuff every now and then. So that, that's all that extreme. I, I think the extreme ownership is not one of our war cries um, at the moment. It's just it was something that we delivered that day just to drive home the messages that we've been talking about, taking it upon ourselves to, to make ourselves better instead of being handed everything to us. Most of us are unaware of what a typical training day involves. Can you briefly um, go through a typical day, um, like team preparation, pre-training, training drills, team meetings, recovery, etc., and maybe give us a brief insight on the individual review process um, the players go through, which I personally find interesting and beneficial yep. for you know accountability and growth? Yep. So. Just a basic day um, is everyone arrives at first meetings at 7.45. So everyone's got to be dressed in their Warriors kit in the Stacey Jones room, which is like a theatre. And that's our first meeting at 7.45. Players are rolling in, they're stretching, they're doing they're doing their own things. They're maybe getting treatment. They're maybe catching up with a coach prior to, to that meeting that from the day before. So that they have to be in that meeting at 7.45, but they got prep that they want to do prior to that. So you get... You know, there's no, you got to be here at 6.45 or that. You just got to be there for 7.45 and then being professional, they'll work backwards from that time and work out what time you got to arrive so they can yep. get some of their own individual prep done. And then during that meeting, that meeting is basically just for us to introduce the day, what we're trying to get out of it, have a look at the schedule. Um, maybe it might be a little bit of mental skills like you guys spoke about. We might do something in that first meeting and it might be, it might be we might get to know each other a little bit more, a bit of team building in that meeting. But that meeting goes for only about 15 minutes. We kick them out. They go do some more more prep for the day. So they get stretching. They do um, they do hurdles. They get strapped for the session. They put their, their mouth guards and headgears ready to go rip in. Then they come back into the meeting room and then we start talking about the training session. So I don't want to bore anyone here with every single bit of detail. But no, no, no. It's <laughs> not boring. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. <laughs> You get, you get your biggest bang for your buck if you actually explain what's coming in the session. So, boys, we've got this drill today. This is what we're trying to get out of it. Um, I need you guys to be here, here, and here. You might show a clip of the drill being done previously, or then you might even just draw it up if you don't have any footage to support it. It might be a new drill. So then when you're going out there, you're not wasting the drill and just making huge mistakes. They actually know what they're trying to get out of it, and they perform the drill way better at a higher intensity. Um and then, yeah, basically they train like hell. Um, they come back, they eat lunch together, recover, and then they got weights in the afternoon. And during that weights, during that weights time, 
we are, our analysts have already put the vision up for them downstairs in the Stacey Jones. There's about six computers there, and they'll go and start watching their own. So, so if I'm first weights group, I will do it after my weights. If I'm the seconds weights group, then I would do my video analysis in the first one. So they go through that process, and then they come upstairs, and like I said, that's where their ownership starts on their own individual performance, where they sit down with the staff, plays, and go through go through what they just learned from the day and what they saw, the good, the bad, the ugly from the field. And I haven't even mentioned days like where we go, sand dunes. I haven't even mentioned when we do wrestling. I haven't even mentioned when we travel around the city doing amazing races to build build stuff. So there's a, there's a lot of different stuff, but that is like I just gave you the basic one. So they're basically, in my opinion, they're from 7 a.m. to probably about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.30. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. So I haven't even mentioned massages. It's just the list goes on. The list goes yeah, on. it's it's a lot more than what a lot of people think. But uh, yeah. I think I think some people have this misconception that footy players like they'll, they'll go to training in the afternoon. They do their training. They go home. They they sit around. They do stuff all for you know ninety percent of the day, and then turn up and play footy on the weekend. But you know it is a full time job. They're there for you know eight hours every day, six days a week, yeah. pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, so like on the six days, so there'd be five in pre-season, you're, you're training rock solid five five days and the sixth day would be a recovery. So we, you can't just hit them with a stick every day. So they'll go swimming, massage, recovery, so they can do yep. it all over again. And then you've got to give them one day off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then that's the day where you want them to sit around doing nothing, you know, get on the lounge, but, you know, spend time with family, friends, whatever that might yep. be. So, yeah, it's yeah. a full-time job. I always say... People say, what do you do for a living? Or, oh, I'm a coach. And then they go, yeah, what, what do you do for the, like, for the rest of the life? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that, that's what I do. Like, no, so, um, yeah, I don't think people quite understand, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Mate, um, one thing we could see from our 30-man our roster, I think we're sitting at 27 now. You, you'd know better than me. Um, yep. Is that we have depth in a lot of uh, positions now? You spoke about our halves with Tamari Martin, uh, Luke Metcalf, mm -hmm. Ronnie Volkman, Sean Johnson. Um, as a coach, I'm guessing uh, that's what you want from your players: competition for spots, which keeps everybody accountable yep. and pushing hard for selection, and no walk-up starters for for like Teamless Tuesday this year. Yep, correct. No one's entitled to anything. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah, I think. With, with the spots, if we promote anyone, it's probably going to be from within. We might leave a spot that we might wait mid-year to see if we sign someone, and that's not – that's just everyone's like, who are you signing? You've got spots available. Like, um, yeah, this is we, – we, we're just going to – we're, we're a development club, so if there's a couple of players that we want to promote from within, we can. Um, yep. I'm not going to go into all the depth and, and ins and outs of our recruitment, but, yeah, if there's someone available at the right time, that falls out of the tree, then we'd be happy to, you know, hopefully we're sitting there in a really good position to do that. But That's you just don't want to go out and panic and have to fill things. We've filled, we're going to fill our spots by March 1 that the NRL makers and then yep. we'll go from there. Yeah. That's all right. We got Cappy on in two weeks. We'll we'll pick his brains about the recruitment yeah. stuff. <laughs> Get in on, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love throwing him under the bus. So we'll we'll go we'll go. Over that. Oh, okay. Nice. So he's accustomed to that. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, well, Cobb obviously had its first trial game last Thursday. Uh, the victory over the West Tigers. How did you appraise that performance? And who, um, if any of the young players and new recruits, um, impressed you? 
Yeah, I, I was happy with the trial. Um, there's the mixed emotions for me. So the thing I was really happy with, I think a lot of stuff we, we actually generally practiced came out in the trial. So that was what our whole objective was, was boys, we're going out to compete, you know, as hard as we can, because we're, this is a scenario that we want to win everything we do. So here's an opportunity to go and do that. Um, doesn't matter what, who you are, if you're number 30 in the roster or you're number one in the roster, um, you're wearing a Warriors jersey, you've got to go and perform. But the main objective is, are we actually going to see what we practiced in pre-season? So I was really happy with that. I thought in, in chunks, we did do that. Um, There's some really big uh, areas when we came back and we reviewed it that we realised we've got a huge amounts of improvement. I think the big thing I was nervous about was expectations from the wider outside world sort of saying that, look at the Warriors, how well they did. And I kind of thought that sort of set the benchmark a little low for us. I think uh, everyone was really happy with the performance externally, which is great. But um, if we want to go where we want to go, we, there's so many things that we've got to be better at. Um, but I just thought it was, I thought it was a pass mark. I thought it's something we should be happy about, but certainly not comfortable with. Not we can't be comfortable that that's going to win week in, week out. Um, particularly when the Tigers threw up a really young squad. Everyone's yeah. Gonna, everyone's got to yeah. look at it that way too. They put a young squad, um, so did we. Um, but at yeah. um, the end of the day, we can't be excited. I, I can't just single people out. I just thought there were so many good performances from our kids. I thought our halves looked really good. I thought our experienced guys looked look good, meaning like uh, Mas, um, Marcelo on the left, um, Braden on the Army first game. To Mighty Martin first game back in the halves. Luke Medcalf was exciting. Um, Tane at the back, you know, train trollers now in the top 30. Thought he did a terrific job. So said I wasn't going to single out, but I just singled out. Um, well, it's 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 interesting because that's what I've got listed next to talk to you about because there's a couple of players that caught our eye. Uh, I thought Tom Arley was very busy in his first oh, stint. Uh, and Bunty. Yeah, but correct yeah. me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did those two guys play the full forty minutes, first forty, and and no. even in? Oh, they came off in the first forty. No, no. See, Bunty and um, Tommy, they got this. They got the same hairstyle going at the moment, right? Yeah. And, okay. And, and what happened was we uh, we mixed their time up, and the NRL stats weren't probably working that right. It was actually showing that they played the whole first half, but um, no, we brought Tom off up the first twenty and put him back on for the last ten of the half. Okay. And then Bunty. Yeah, he came back on for Bunton. So that's why, yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned oh, Tomato Martin. Yeah, they were. Oh, they were absolutely Tomato great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah Tomato looked very impressive in the halves. Luke Metcalf, very good. Showed a, a nice pair of heels. We know we knew that he had speed, um, nice. but showed a lot of good footwork and, and speed for his try. As you mentioned, Braden Villiami, uh, who on the left edge, he really combined well with uh, Marcelo in that first half. Yeah. And Marcelo yeah. is just a beast. You mentioned young um, Tane. Um, yep. I thought he played with a lot of patience and and maturity as well. Um, yeah. But a couple of the young guys, Zion Mayu and um, uh, Jacob Laban, I thought they played quite well as well. Yeah, we've got a, a young Dimitric as well. And yep. um, Ali came on late and showed plenty of aggression, I thought. Um, there are four development spots. So um, they're, your, they're your rookies, uh, rookie contracts, if that's what you want to call it. Um, yeah, they're they're out they're outside of the top thirty at the moment. Those guys, but um, yeah, I thought I thought they would have got a hell of a lot of out of it being on telly, 
learning. Their preparation was was really good. Um, and the best part, part I liked about it is they knew that they had a lot of improvement out of it. And yep. they're back in there reviewing their game with the coaches, knowing that they need to be better. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we we want to develop those guys in the first grade. So that's the exciting bit. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, spoke, we spoke a bit about defence before, and while we looked really good in attack, defensively you must have been pretty happy with that effort too, particularly the first half keeping the Tigers to nil, and then we showed some good um, resilience on our own goal line. Um, a couple of yeah. tries were conceded, but the second half, in the second half, but overall, uh, were you satisfied with the defensive effort? Yeah, I think um, I think it's probably still was probably our biggest work on out of the game, our defence. Um, I think I loved this. I, I made comment to the group. I loved our resilience on our try line. I think we had five or six sets in the first half where we had to defend our try line. Um, but there, there was parts about it. If you looked on the wider angle, that I felt like we needed to improve um, in that area. But I felt like the desperation, which is basically what it comes down to, sometimes, and more and more desperate than them. They're trying to score, and am I going to hold them up? I thought we passed in that, in that, in that regard. Um, structurally, I just think we're still going to keep improving a little bit around that. But I, I loved our attitude towards defence. Like they were keen to do it. They had pride in their trial line. I, I thought that was good, but we can technically get a little bit better. Um, I thought we got the start wrong. If you look at the first two sets, um, we were a little bit slower out of the gates, but we showed some resilience and we turned it around and then we put some pressure on them. So, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. The de- defense is just, we just got to keep thinking in defense before attack. The, the better yep. we get at defense, the more opportunities we're going to get to attack. So, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Mate, moving forward, we got the the storm this week uh, for our second trial or preseason challenge game. Uh, storm are never an easy customer when it comes to the Warriors. Are you hoping for yep. much of the same in terms of um, transferring what they've been doing on the training paddock onto the field yep. this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's a it's almost a completely different group. Like, yeah. if you look at how many players didn't play last week, are they going to be able to do that against um, better opposition? And I don't mean better opposition that. The Storm are better than the Tigers. I'm not disrespecting anyone. I'm just saying this is experienced players. Like we're we're yes. coming again. You look at the team, their names. We're coming against experienced first graders, and a lot of our experienced first graders are getting their first crack of the season. So can they implement those things? I know it's going to be at a harder level, but that exactly, you're right. Got to, got to see that because they haven't had that opportunity yet. So um, yep. I'm looking forward to it, just to seeing where we're at because this will be a really good test, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Will, will guys like Tohu, Adam, um, Sean Johnson, will they play long minutes or are you looking at a quick 20 to 30 minute burst for them just to get some game time and contact? I've uh, got a plan that they'll play between 40 and 60 minutes. Um, oh, good. Might. Yeah, so we're there. We're there for them to get in a rhythm and, and um, actually work it out. Some will play 40. Um, and not gonna if someone's not gonna risk anyone with injury so if it's an 80 if it's round one and someone gets a cork cork after 40 minutes we're gonna make them play through it well they'll want to anyway and yep. you might on the side of um, caution because you weren't ready for round one so yep. um we're not gonna bust anyone but uh, i think for their own confidence they need to, to feel that burn a little bit when it gets a little bit harder um so then get ready for for, for round one but yeah, everyone's going to get good time. So, those boys will play. 
I'm going to talk about a good mate of mine, uh, Jazz. Uh, can you give us an update on how his rehab is progressing and what round he will be available for selection? Um, so Jazzy's had um, a couple of different injuries. Um, so um, he's had a shoulder and a foot. So Jazzy's, look, because he, he's such a competitor, you, you just got to really hold him back because he's his own worst enemy. He competes that hard every day at training uh, and on the field. Uh, I think everyone loves Jazz. That yep. he's just got to make sure that he, he, heal, he heals correctly. It could be round one. It could be round four. And I'm not sitting on the fence. The thing what we want to do is we don't want Jazz to miss out on a pre-season element. So what happens is even everyone will go, well, you just had pre-season. What are you talking about? But Jazz hasn't. Like, yep. He's been rehabbing the whole time. So he hasn't had that that base that we want to try and get underneath him. And if that means we've got to hold him back for a couple of weeks to get that under him so he can have a longer, more durable season where he's on the field and he's not injured and playing better football, then we're willing to do that. And Jazz, as much as that pains him, he's he's willing to do that. But if we think he's ready round one, then we'll pull the trigger on that too. So awesome what he's he's done, uh, pledging uh, for his mate uh, Rowan, who's yeah. uh, got got cancer, uh, supporting his mate Rowan. Roman, um, how does the board look suit him? <laughs> I reckon he looks faster. I said, oh, really? I don't wow! Know. Don't tell him that. <laughs> Less wind resistance. <laughs> yeah, it's gone to his head already. But no, he looks faster. I said, Jazzy, you look you look tough too, which is tough anyway. Um, yeah, he looks good. I reckon. I tell you, if, if you're ever friends with Jazzy, you want him in your corner because he he's loyal to the team. Loves yep. his loves his mates and his family and friends, and they're that important to him. And yeah, Jazzy wears his heart on his sleeve, as we know. So supporting his mate like that is is pretty cool. And um, we all support him with it, um, even though he's he's got a, a shaved head and looking fast at the moment. But, yeah, that's yeah. no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for him that he gets to, like, show show his support and, and do something yeah. like that. So it's cool. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah champion bloke. Um, one, yeah. Of the, one of the catchphrases that we fans have had for the past 28 years leading into a season is, it's our year. Um, only for some poor early season results to, to many jumping off the bandwagon bus. Um, after a 15th spot finished last season, um, what are your realistic expectations and goals for this season? Is it a position on the ladder that you eye off or, or you quantify a successful season through like KPIs and parameters and that sort of thing? Um, no. Well, we, we, we got in a room and said, are we here to win the comp or are we here just to, what are we here to do? Like, honestly, if you're not, if you're in the NRL, every team should be thinking that Dolphins should be trying it. I'm sure they're trying to win the comp. Um, I'm sure Penrith are trying to win another one. Um, we're not here to make up the numbers, so we're not going to put a ceiling on ourselves. I think a KPI is going to do that. I think there's certain KPIs that we need to tick each week to get the result. There's certain KPIs of training tomorrow. We're not training tomorrow, but the next day. that yep. we need to hit each day. To, to get the result. So um, as a long-term result, when we sit back and just say, I think what in reflection at the end of the season, did we improve at the rate we wanted? Did we get really good at the things we wanted to? Um, and did, did we compete hard? We, we've got to compete from where to go. Like we, we've got to try and win everything we can and, and not put a ceiling on ourselves. And and if we really stick hard to, to the KPIs on a daily basis, we're going to give ourselves a better chance than like shooting for the stars and staring at the stars and then you forget about everything else you got to do to get there. 
Um, we just got to compete and win every day. So that's our goal at the moment. And, and like everyone, try and win as often as possible. So. I hope everyone caught that. We're not here to make up the numbers. We're That's here it. to win a comp. I love it. Um, <laughs> being based in New Zealand, the Warriors are, are, are very unique when it comes to culture. Uh, the last women's Warriors team back in 2020, they really embraced their culture. And, and that was backed up again by the men in 2021. That was driven by um, the great uh, Dan Dingo Floyd. Uh, they used to have cultural nights and what have you. I see Warangi Corpus involved in the club now. Uh, in that capacity, very proud Maori man. How much yep. cultural stuff is done with the boys, um, like with the current squad nowadays? Yeah, so I think it's, I think a lot of credit's got to go to, to um, Robbo and Cameron George around around this, and it's something that I completely support. Um, we are a New Zealand club, you know, so we got we're all different cultures, like every single NRL club is. We all come from. I'm Australian. We got. We've got a, our weights guys from Canada. Um, yep. But, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of homegrown talent. We've got a lot of Australian visitors. So at the end of the day, though, we're, we've got something unique that no one else has got. Our identity is we are a New Zealand club and we need to learn about it and celebrate it um, and we need to respect it. Uh, and um, just having someone like Y come in who's very passionate, multi man and understands it so well and can educate um some of the some some boys who don't actually know their heritage that well, um, and um, so like Waitangi Day the other day, we wanted to actually understand what what's the significance of it, what is you know. So he comes in and educates around it, and everyone leaves there and goes, oh, okay. So I know why this is a public holiday. I know what a huge huge day this is in New Zealand's history. Um, so we just need to do that. Like um, we. I think Cameron uh, and Robbo looked at it and said, what is our identity going to be? And they work backwards. And I think that's a unique opportunity that, that I think we're the first NRL club to probably have an ambassador like that. Um, and I think it's going to be a real advantage knowing about the past, the present and the future. And that's something, a bit of our catch cry here at the moment too, celebrating that. And I think what I think why it um, brings all that together. Um, so yep. we've done, we've done, um, well, we had welcomings. We we we've got our own little private ceremonies that we're doing. So, um, yeah, it's it's been going really well, and something that's been well received by the players, and and something that I'm glad that they were actually putting time into. Yeah, awesome, fantastic. Okay, mate, we're going to before we let you go, um, we're going to put you through the quick fire questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, yeah, your answers don't necessarily have to be Warriors related; can be. Um, anyone that you've been involved with in your coaching experience and Hammer will just check out some of the live questions as well while I'm doing that. Um, who is the toughest player you've been involved with? Uh, toughest player is, well, I'm going to say Simon Mannering. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you truly appreciate what someone does until you coach them. And, mate... Wow, the things he used to do here and how tough he was and how much he put the team first and how sick I've seen him play, how injured I've seen him play. And he just looks fatigued from the moment. We looked fatigued from the moment the first whistle went to the end. Yeah, he's he's um, he's the toughest I've seen. Yeah. Who's the opponent you hate coming up against? 
I should be more prepared. I should have sent me that. <laughs> um, I don't. Oh, I, it's crazy when you're the opposition coach. You hate everyone, like, and it's just me. I, I could go through most teams and say oh, I hate them. Something him, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there'd be teams. Oh, I've got a little soft spot for them, but not really. Um, so I'm just going to say everyone um, might put a target on my head, but tell us. Nice. No, good. Yeah, fair enough. Who's the best trainer in terms of attitude and performance? Uh, best trainer, I'd say like um, like Marcel, uh, maybe trains really hard. I'd say Dallin, both our wingers are really fit and train hard and got a good attitude towards it. Jeez, uh, got a guy like Mitch Barnett that's super competitive fitness wise, but super diligent with the detail. Yep. He's really, really good trainer. I'm talking in all aspects of football. And Torhu, the more you make it football-related, he's an exceptional trainer. Like if it's all-in-hand scenarios, we're going out of football, He, that's when you just – he can't help but compete. So I've sat on we the heard he do- We heard he doesn't like the gym. No, well, <laughs> no. I'm not going to comment. No comment. He's getting better. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, um, mate, what if, I'm not yeah, one to talk about the gym. So. Um, mate, what about the worst trainer in terms of attitude and performance? Do you want to throw anyone <laughs> under the bus? Holy gooey. Uh, that's not a good start if I throw someone on the bus. <laughs> I think I've got the worst attitude towards training at the moment. We'll go that way. Me personally. Okay. <laughs> No worries. Um, who's the biggest sponge? Um, the guy that absorbs all the information and wants more. Ooh. I'm going to say some of our rookies. I'm going to say Jacob Layden is a sponge. Yeah, yeah. He he's got his notebook out, writing information, always wanting more, reviewing his own game, really high detail. Yeah, no, he he's definitely a sponge. I think the young Love guys it. you. Want to learn, eh? So I think our old guys have got a great attitude towards it, but the young guys, yeah, they're they're sponges at the moment. All four of our development guys love it. So good, yeah, very yeah. encouraging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who's the team comedian? Mm, team comedian. Well, Dylan Walker in a lot of ways, he's definitely a comedian. Uh, big ads is funny at times. Yeah, ads can be funny. They're they're a little little double act. Those two. Um, <laughs> I'd say Dill's a different type of funny. I don't think it's his jokes. I just think he's just constant test. I think you can't you can't help but laugh at him. Um, ah, but no, no, mate. There's a few comedians there. There's a few, not not many practical jokers yet. But I'm sure I'm sure I might be on the end of one soon. So I might regret <laughs> that comment. <laughs> um, you, you, you may have answered this question, but who is the biggest pest? Oh, yeah, Dill. Uh, on the field, I can okay. tell Gaz is. Gaz is a pest on the field. I can tell that. He's niggling all the time and gets super yep. competitive. Yeah, he's the biggest pest. Um, but, no, nah, they're, honestly, they're, they're a good bunch. Yeah, they're a good bunch. It's, it's normally Jazz that comes up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because he's been in rehab, the reason why he hasn't won it outright. But, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's getting back and he's closer. Yeah. Ask me in six months' time and I'll tell you the answer. Yeah. You're right. Okay. All right. Absolutely. We'll hold you to that. Uh, we'll, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> Jazz. Yeah. Who's the best sledger? 
oh, this is ridiculous. The best stage is Dylan Walker. By far. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. That's why he's the best. He's funny. And he's a great sledger. Who's, <laughs> who's, who's, the best, who's the best that you've ever come in contact with, though, in your whole rugby league? Like, is there someone at Penrith that outdoes D-Walks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tyrone. Tyrone May was special. Very good at it. Um, really? Oh, mate, yeah, he was, he was like, he's super close of all the boys, but she's, yeah, he, he had a quick, quick mouth, like, in a good comeback. He was very good at it and loved it. Loved it. Yeah, so. Really? He was, he was pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't take wow. him on it. Put it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. How, who's the most professional when it comes to game preparation? Geez, I've only had one game with them, but uh, on a daily basis, um, the same guys are down there doing their prep. I'd say uh, Mars is very good. I'd tell you, Chance Nickel Clock's that's great at it. Like, he really puts a lot of time. Sean, he's an old pro. He knows what he's doing with his preparation. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, there's, I couldn't I couldn't single one out there, but I think, I think our young kids are leading the way and our old guys are leading the way. So the guys in the middle are learning fast. They better they better hurry up and get good at it, otherwise they won't keep up. So with the prep, but yeah, they pre- honestly that was one of the things I was happy about last week. Our, our, our team's preparation was really good. So yeah. All right, I'm just scrolling the live feed, mate. There's a lot of um, man crosses happening now. Uh, yeah, these are the nervous questions. But so many people like I could listen to Webby talk all day. Webby's my new man crush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how good is this, guys? Webby's the man. Um, okay, uh, what's the update with Josh Curran? Is he available for round one? Correct, he's available. Yeah. No, okay. no drama there. Josh is available. Yeah, okay. Um, how will you? This is from the flame. How will your relationship with Ivan be when we pump the Panthers by 40 at Magic Round? <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, one thing I've learned about Ivan is you don't, you don't pump the bear. I won't be poking no. him in by saying that. Um, but let's say I, I hope there's a beer regardless of the result. One beer after that. Good answer. That'd be good. Um, you can do that at the Lord Alfred where we're holding our uh, our Warriors fan uh, meet-up, mate. You can come to that after the game. Um, <laughs> what, what unheralded player are you most excited about for 2023? Um, yeah, I think... I think young young Dimitric, uh, I think he's going to be good. I hope if Tane gets a, a debut at some stage, I'm really excited for him to get his first credit. He's like a he's not like an 18 year old as we know. So this is he's more of a mature debutant, yep. and they're kind of the best stories because they've had had a longer journey. So um, yeah, there's a couple of couple of good ones there. Um, who is in our leadership group for 2023? Uh, no leadership group. It's got a captain. And everyone's got a lead. So, um, mate, there's, there's a heap of leaders that could be in that. And you know, no leadership group where everyone's a leader. If you don't want to lead, then probably at the wrong place. So. Love it. Uh, <laughs> Richard Morgan, how is the club going to handle the unprecedented amount of fans wanting to jump on the bandwagon? <laughs> well, it's already happening. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> It's filling up as we speak. Yeah, that was. Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be right. 
Are you a superstitious guy? Do you have any pre-game rituals or game day routines that you like to follow? Um, no, not really. I think there's no. things you want to do around preparation, like organise, know what you're doing. Um, always got to be certain time before the game. But I'm not put on my left shoe, shoe first. Same undies. I'm not. I'm not that type of guy. Yeah. What's wrong with What's wrong with guys that did that? Who Who were your rugby league heroes growing up? Um, Gary Jack, if there was a line break, mate, he was a fullback for Balmain Tigers, just yep. would chop him. Yeah, it was hard to get past Gary Jack. Um, Wayne Pierce, he, yeah, I was a Balmain boy, so. Yeah, yeah, my, yep. These are my idols growing up. Um, Gary Freeman, Kiwi. Ah, um, I love, I love very the Wiz. Yeah. The Wiz is very cheeky on the field and, um, yeah, lucky enough to get to meet him. But, yeah, they were my my heroes that if they were about oh, timmy brusher there for a while just, yep just yeah, list goes on down my own boys so, yeah. um zero was zero one of your heroes growing Ciro, up Ciro, Ciro's what's, it like, what's it like what's it like coaching his son now like kind of you watch the father now you you have input with the son that must be pretty special yeah i, I well i just think it's a i think it's it's a cool moment i think um Bailey and um, Curtis are making their own path as players, and we'll do that. Yep. And, um, they've got a supportive dad who, and Paul, who's a, is a, is a legend in the game and a great bloke to go with it. So lucky yeah. enough to work with him at the Tigers. So, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it is sometimes you got to go, wow, you know, I'm coaching his son. But because I know his dad on a personal level, it, you just, I feel like it's Paul's son that I'm coaching, just like yeah. I'm coaching his son. So, but yeah, sometimes I gotta think, hang on, Doc. I used to look up to these guys, so, yeah. Kid, so. yeah, but no, it's cool. Final question for you, mate. If you didn't become involved in rugby league or the NRL, what career path do you think you would have been in? Uh, I reckon I'd be a social advisor or a horse trainer. A horse trainer? I just made that horse up. Trainer. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's a story there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just one of those guys that if I'm passionate about something, I'm going to have a crack at it. So you, I find well. something that I love. I love socialising with people. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'd be good at it. And the second one is I love I love horse racing. So there you go. Beautiful. There you More go. The, yeah. yeah. Mate, we really want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us so candidly. Uh, we love being able to connect with our former players, current players and club staff and, and give you guys a platform to share your stories. We thank you for joining us tonight and we wish you nothing but success for the upcoming season. Yeah, boys, thank you for so much for the support. I, I, I um, Everyone told me about this um, podcast and this opportunity, so I was so so glad to do it. And just thank you guys for being champion and, uh, and you can tell that you're really passionate about the club. So thanks for the opportunity. We love the club. Mate, can we, we get you on late? Can we get can we get you back on later in the year for a catch up chat? Of course, you can. Of course you can. Beautiful. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, thank, yep. you. Thank, thank you so much for your time. We're really excited listening to you talk and what, what the season Absolutely. will bring. Um so thank you so much. And on behalf of all the people watching as well, thank you for your time and we're looking forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. All the best with Thanks, Thanks Webby. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Cheers, Thanks, Webby. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Oh mate, how awesome was that? Brilliant. Oh, it's you just get pumped up listening to 
listen to what he had to say and um yeah oh, spring on the season <laughs> yeah he's uh what a champion bloke speaks so well um so personable uh with thankful that so many people tuned in live um i think we were up at 57 people at one point uh live watching this uh this broadcast make sure every single one of you people subscribe to the channel help us boost our our channel subscriptions um it was yeah absolutely wonderful and thank you everyone for for uh being involved in the in the live chat uh throughout sorry i couldn't get to all your your questions but um you know it's it's pushing on to like quarter to 10 over there in new zealand i think uh, or quarter past nine yeah. or something like that? Yes, it is. Yeah, so, yeah, what, they're three hours ahead here, so, yeah, 9.40. But, yeah, yeah. No, we, we we really appreciate him giving up his time. He's, he's a very busy man at this time of year, as you can appreciate. But, Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, brilliant chat. And, guys, don't forget, we're going to do it all again in a couple of weeks' time where we have yep. Cappy McFadden on to chat. Absolutely, uh, so he is the he is in charge of his director of football uh, and recruitment yeah recruitment pathways development yeah recruitment pathways development so we're going to be having a chat with him um in a fortnight's time same time as tonight so guys yep. make sure that you do follow uh like and subscribe to our youtube channel uh that's the most important thing and then follow through social media we'll We'll be uh, giving you guys plenty of notice about when that show is going to happen, but it is going to be 5.30 p.m. Queensland time, 6.30 p.m. New South Wales, 8.30 p.m. New Zealand time, and that yep. is Wednesday, March 1. Yep. Um, but before that, um, next Wednesday, 22nd of Feb, um, Hammer and I are going to do our going to give our 23 predictions for the season of 2023. Um, so, yeah, we're going to give, each of us are going to give you a list of 23 things that we expect um we anticipate will happen through the season um a little bit rugby league related some of it off field related as well so that'll be interesting so tune in yeah you guys want to prepare your own list of 23 um go ahead put that in the chat absolutely um, yeah yeah uh but before we do wrap up for tonight um we just want to thank you guys for supporting us and watching us through youtube and we just want to acknowledge our wonderful supporters, as I said at the start of the show, especially on Patreon. Um, your awesome support enables us to upgrade our presentation, as we have done through StreamYard, and bring you the guests that you guys do enjoy, like um, our fantastic guests tonight. You can head to our Patreon page, and the link is on the screen now. And if you feel like you're supporting us, it's gone a bit warped there, but... Um, try that again anyway you can go along to our patreon page if you go through our link tree and yep. you can um, donate to us which is three dollars a week which is uh, basically the cost of a cup of coffee and we will be uh, three dollars a month sorry and we will be updating our patreon tiers in the coming weeks and this will include merchandise as well yeah and Absolutely. another great way speaking of merchandise you can always go on to our red bubble store and pick yourself up a fantastic ruin hammer original t-shirt we've got plenty of designs for past the present players games and all other events important to our warriors history so jump on there and have a look at what we have to offer 
keep an eye out as well um, on our YouTube channel for some more chats coming later in the week, including a chat with um, Richie Morgan, the man himself, Mr. Warrior Nation. We're going to be talking about some fan events that you guys can all get involved with in 2023. So that will be exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, and uh, that's it. Warriors play the storm this sunday uh so we'll obviously do a review of that uh which will be on the channel early next week as well uh prior to our wednesday night live show but yeah mate that's it for tonight um just want to thank everyone for their continued support of ruin hammer it is very much appreciated uh and a massive shout out to andrew webster who uh you know gave up his time to come on tonight and have a, a pretty candid chat with us yes absolutely very much appreciated and as we are of all you guys who watch, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, take care, and we will see you all again next week. Good night, Go everyone. the Warriors. Go the Warriors.